Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. <clears throat> I'm still a little under the weather, but we're going to make it. Uh, Bishop Strickland, thanks again for taking this time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Uh, you've got lots of tweets. You've been encouraging us to read different articles, um, and I think it's all, all good. But one thing I have noticed is that you seem to be getting invited to a lot of pro-life uh, fundraisers. Uh, and I think people recognize that you're very outspoken for the unborn. And uh, I know you're going to be in Louisiana, I think, to March 21st. And you're also being invited to men's uh, marches. I'll be there with you in the early March. Um, is it because you're now retired, so to speak, that you can say yes to a lot of these requests to speak at pro-life and, and also the men's um, movement with the marches for life? Yeah, it, it, my calendar is open. It's getting full, but uh, yeah. and and really, Terry, as I've said, when people <clears throat> want me to talk about Mary, the Eucharist, or the sanctity of life, I'm all in. Amen. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, one of the things you tweeted to us uh, that, and this is obviously this is January 31st. The Feast of Don Bosco, great saint. But you talked on, uh, and I hope people can still join some of the novena. You've been a big, a big promoter of this novena to Saint Joseph, patron of the Universal Church. I know it began on the twenty-sixth and concludes on <clears throat> the Feast of Saint Joseph, March nineteenth. And you said, "Let us pray for the Church to be healed and purified." And I, I mentioned this. Because uh, it's a great way of praying for the church through novenas. And so I just wanted to ask you, is this, now this isn't the first time you've prayed this novena before, haven't, didn't you do it last year too? Yeah, I've done it a few times. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. But it, uh, I think it, uh, and I've had people say that they have really not, prayed the rosary that much. And once they got in the habit with the 54 day novena, they started praying the rosary more Yeah, regularly. So I think that makes a big difference. That's awesome. Uh, you also mentioned in a tweet, somebody had sent to you, uh, Bishop Strickland, thank you for resisting the pressure to bless sin and pretend you're not. May many more shepherds join you. And I think what he's saying is you took a stand for truth and you're willing to do that even if it means persecution. And I say the same thing. I say thank you because I'm convinced and I see it coming right now in the church. Many shepherds are saying, wait a minute, I can't bless sin. Look, look at Africa, for example. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think we've got to, to speak up, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. Like yeah. I said, it, the sanctity of life really is an issue, like we were talking about before yeah. we started recording, yeah. that more and more the society is going toward death. Yes. Um, I mean, 
Pope St. John Paul II used to talk about the culture of death that was plaguing us. And sadly, it's ramped up even more, especially in the past few years. And we've got to continue. To, our only future, our only hope is to return to respecting life as coming from God, as sacred, and as a treasure that needs to be nurtured and cared for and not disposed of at our whim. Um, it's just devastating to hear more and more episodes of people convicted of standing for pro-life. It's just, it's yeah. really, um, we've got to very clearly speak against this agenda because it, it harms all of humanity. It's yeah. not just one country or one state, but it's all of humanity that ultimately is harmed by this agenda of death. Well, you just mentioned, you know, standing up for life. There's a gentleman, a very famous movie star called Kevin James, and he's from Los Angeles. He moved back to Florida, but when he was in California, Jesse Romero and his brother Johnny personally instructed him back to the faith, and we got him all of Scott Hahn's material to study his faith, and he became a high-information Catholic, and he just recently did a, com a comedy, and he basically said something very um, inappropriate for the world standards, but I thought was outstanding. He talked about euthanasia, and he said, no, but no doctor is going to pull the plug on me. My life came from God, and my life will go to God when he calls me home. And I say that because this was a movie star who's you know A-rated. And for him to willing to say that uh, really shows me that he's willing to take it for Jesus. And so I, I say that to you, Bishop Strickland, because you've done the same thing, but this is a movie star who, you know, people are looked up at as, you know, heroes, and he's now standing up for life. I just, I thought that was very edifying. Yeah, and it is good. I mean, people do pay attention to movie stars, and it's yeah. good when they're on the, the right side of the message. Yeah, you got that right. As a matter of fact, something you you mentioned uh, about people being put in prison for being pro-lifers just this week, six pro-lifers pro were found guilty of federal felonies in Tennessee. It was a rescue, and they face a 10-year-plus prison, plus up to $260,000 in fines. And what's really interesting about this, it reminds me of the 1980s when I was involved with Operation Rescue and 50,000 Christians, they were all Christians, Protestant and Catholic, were arrested in a one-year period. And what did we say? Abortion is murder. We're going to put our bodies on the line to say, this isn't right. And what I'm noticing, Bishop Strickland, is our country now, 30, 40 years later, when people do the same thing, they're arresting them and putting federal charges on them for, you know, the same charges that you would get if you blocked a, a uh, freeway because you were protesting something going on in the Middle East. It happened last month. But here's the point. None of those people ever get prosecuted. So it seems like it's selective. It seems like if you're pro-life, our country is going to do whatever it can to make you pay the ultimate price. 
Yeah, it, it seems to be more and more the trend. But we have to be undaunted. There, there's really no future in a culture that embraces death and denies the sanctity of life and the author of life, which is God. So we've got to continue to speak up and remember that it's the most loving thing to do for even those people that are adamantly against life. Ironically, God is giving them life and has given them the free will to make those terrible choices. We pray for conversion, um, but we have to uh, just continue to speak up always regarding the, the sanctity of life of every person, even the person who has no regard for life. I agree. That's exactly right. Well, we're going to get into an article you had asked everyone to read. You said this article should be read by every Catholic who knows and loves the Church. She is the Bride of Christ. She proclaims truth with logic and charity. And Father Bulk speaks as a son of the Church who knows and loves her. Let us heed his clear presentation of truth. Now, first of all, this is an article from... Edward Penton, who is a National Catholic Register a writer, and he's, got, you know, he's been known for doing this for years, and he's very good. But this is a priest who was a former consultor to the uh, doctrine of the faith. So this is not someone, you know, who just got newly ordained or someone who hasn't had any you know, responsibility. This is someone <coughs> who worked in the CDF. <clears throat> he said he believes that because fiducia supplicants does not belong to the authentic magisterium. It is not binding, and so one cannot even adhere to it with religious assent of will and intellect. Now, I happen to believe he's spot on, but I think he, in this interview, it's worth going through it because he answers a lot of questions. So let me see if I can get through this. He also called for the resignation and the dismissal of the principal author, Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, and uh, because he either, either he has bad faith or he's ignorant on the faith, uh, he signed it. And so um, I think this is a very bold move move for a priest to do this because I would say that he's going to pay a big price for you know answering these questions because he just lays it out very quickly and very simply. In his January 18th interview, he um, he just basically runs through a bunch of questions, and I'll go through them with you, Bishop Strickland. Uh, he says this, <clears throat> that the drama of the church today is the separation of the pastoral from the doctrine that is of love from truth. Father Book says we are paying dearly for it, as John Paul II predicted. You've said something very similar, Bishop Strickland. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, yeah. It, I think this article, as I said, it's it's important, and people need to be informed of the truth of their faith and uh, to stand strong, to stand strong for the truth. Very good. When we come back, we'll continue with this article here on the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. back to the Bishop Strickland Hour.
I don't, yeah, we are. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Uh, we were just talking about an article by a very courageous priest who worked at the CDF, Father Box. Yeah, they, that's called the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. That's what it was when he was there. And he basically makes a point about the drama of the church today is the separation of the pastoral from doctrinal that is of love from truth. I remember Father Bill Casey, like it was yesterday, 20 years ago, said the most merciless thing you can do to somebody is let them wallow in their sin. And it seems today, Bishop Strickland, many of us in the church, I don't know if it's courage, or maybe, I don't know why, I can't say why they do it, but it seems that we're very consistent now that we don't want to call the sinner to repentance. We just want them to come. You know, you all are welcomed, you know? But it, it, that's not the full gospel. And, and so uh, this priest uh, also makes a very bold statement. He's encouraging Pope Francis to cancel fiducio supplicants and replace the prefect with a man of sure sound and pure doctrine, to use the apostles' words to Titus. Very biblical, you know. And so I thought, that's, that's pretty bold for a priest to say. I want to see what happens to him, because... What he's asking to do, uh, the Holy See to do, is um, be very bold and um, for the good of the church, do the right thing. But um, Ed Pitton asked Father, uh, what has been the general reaction to the fiducio supplicant in Italy, mostly contrary to your opinion, supportive or ambivalent? Now, Bishop Strickland, this guy, he, he, there's no guile in him. I mean, you ask him a question, I like it. He gives you an answer. He says this, Because of their proximity to the Holy See, Italian bishops seem to be like dumb dogs. Wow. They approve or they dissent or they fear reprisal. Bishop Strickland, I'm going to stop right there. They fear reprisal. I'm convinced if we have more prelates and more priests who say, I got to do the right thing. My conscience tells me I can't do X, Y, or Z because it's contrary to a biblical worldview. Uh, that is impressive. And I, I think, doesn't that ring with you because of your situation? You wouldn't compromise what your conscience said was true. Yeah, well, we have to pray that more and more will speak up because— to be intimidated, to not speak the truth. Yeah, I constantly go back to, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, St. Peter and the Acts of the Apostles, Yeah, they tell him, quit using the name Jesus. Right. And he, he says, sorry, uh, they joyfully embrace whatever suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. We've got to be at least aiming to be like those original apostles. Yeah. It's the same truth. Christ hasn't changed. He's yesterday, today, and forever. Um, we really need to keep repeating this because hopefully more and more will be strengthened. It, you know, it, it really is sad that we, I mean, I agree. It is bold what this priest is saying and and speaking in the truth is bold, but it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. It should just be the 
the standard that we live by. Right. Uh, but it's become bold because so few are willing to just do the right thing yeah. and speak the truth. Yeah. It's not complicated. It's not confusing. It's challenging, but it's not this murky, you know, confused, convoluted idea that, well, we just can't figure this out. That isn't the truth. The truth is clear yeah. and it, it doesn't change. So that's why I was compelled to share this article because hopefully more and more <laughs> will read it, but hopefully also it will embolden priest to, uh, to echo what this priest is saying. Yeah. Not attacking anyone, no. but simply speaking the truth and challenging the church to be who she's called to be, the bride of Christ who proclaims the truth. The world didn't like it when Jesus said it. And he said, the world hated me first. The world will hate us. Yes. But because we love the world and God loves everyone, we've got the obligation to joyfully and clearly share the truth over and over again and continue even when people reject it, which they have the freedom to do so, that freedom is God-given, and that has to be respected. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't speak up to call people to a change of heart and to the truth. I mean, that's what Christ does in the gospel. John the Baptist starts it off, and Christ continues the same thing. Repent and believe in the gospel. <clears throat> yep, that's Mark. I love that. That's... Now, one of the things he does for us is he said, for sure, fiducio supplicant does not belong to the authentic magisterium. Bold statement. And is therefore not binding because what it affirmed is not contained. And this is the key. This is what we've been saying for a long time. Not contained in a written or transmitted word of God and which the church, the Roman pontiff, or the college of bishops either definitively, that is, by solemn judgment, or by with ordinary universal magisterium, proposes to believe as divinely revealed. One cannot even adhere to it with religious assent of will and intellect. Now, Bishop Strickland, a lot of people are going to say, <coughs> the Pope signed off on that. But it seems to me that paragraph, that short paragraph, says it all on why we can't. And that's why I think the bishops in Africa said they're not going to implement this. And Asia and other parts, th this is not what we've been ta taught with the Word of God, which is at the, I call it the, the top of the food chain. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I, I simply agree. And we've got to continue to, to speak the truth and all the issues um, and continue to, to challenge people not to be, you know, not to just go with the world, yeah. but to be the light of Christ. We're supposed to be salt and light. Yeah. And uh, to, to just go along with what the world is saying is not being salt and light. Oh, it really isn't. And then Ed Pinton asked him the question, what do you think of the January 4th press release aimed at clarifying the statements? Did it resolve anything? Remember, when this came out, there wasn't going to be anything more said on it. But because so many prelates around the world said, wait a minute, <coughs>
this isn't what the Catholic Church teaches. So he said, ignorance predominates in the majority of the baptized due to the fact that for decades social issues have been preferred to catechesis. That statement right there says it all. Man, for irregular heterosexual and homosexual couples, and I'm just going to back up. I'm going to correct him, right? I mean it. I correct him in the sense of clarity. Um, When we use this word irregular unions, we think of people who are married, but they're not married in the church. They're married, out, you know, by they they already have one wife. They don't, they can't, you know, they're they're irregular because they're not within the regular means of man and woman. But it, to me, uh, adultery is a better word than irregular. I think irregular is a soft word when you're describing someone who's living in objective. Notice I said objective mortal sin. Why can't we just use adultery or fornication if we're whatever we're clarifying some sexual sin? Use biblical terms. Okay, so he says, for irregular homosexual and homosexual couples, what now applies is love is love. How many times have we heard that in the 60s? Those who are used logic are opposed to it. And then the second uh, dubia of the cardinals arises. says, is it possible that under certain circumstances, a pastor could bless unions between homosexual persons, thus suggesting that homosexual behavior as such would not be contrary to God's law and the person's path to God. This guy speaks so clear. I just love it, Bishop Strickland. He says, tied to this question is another. Does the teaching upheld by the Universal Ordinary Magisterium continue to be valid? I was going to put, or is there an expiration date on truth? No! (laughs) Every sexual act outside of marriage, this is so clear, the church, in particular homosexual acts, constitutes an objectively more grave sin against God's law. That's right in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Regardless of the circumstances in which it takes place and the intentions with which it is carried out. So the January 4th statement is a classic attempt to paper over the cracks. Your thoughts? Well, I just think he says it very well. Um, And we just have to, you know, have to continue to share the truth. Yeah. um, And and hope that more and more people will simply say, no, we're not going to, you know, pretend that the truth has changed. And the sad thing is, is the number of people, as he mentions, there's tremendous ignorance of the faith, even from active Catholics. And that's why I've encouraged people, don't leave the church, but know the church better, know Christ better, learn more, and defend the faith from your own understanding, from what you've learned, and not just from listening to someone else. Well said, and and again, um, you were the one who who said this from the very beginning when this document came out. Just say no, and many bishops, many priests, many lay people have taken that heed. And I hope and pray with that the church will reconsider putting that document out. And 
uh, because of the damage that that's going to cause to the salvation of souls is is incredible. <coughs> before we before we move on to the next question in this article, I want to remind people about Bishop Strickland's YouTube channel. Uh, he's started it. He's got like five or six minute talks on different topics throughout the liturgical year. Uh, Bishop, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, just um, five or six minute topics. Uh, there's actually one as we record this today on uh, St. John Bosco. Good. And the significance of the vision that he had with a church in a terrible storm as a ship in a yeah. terrible storm anchored to our Lord in the Eucharist yeah. and the Blessed Mary. That is such a timely vision for our time. Those anchors, we have to hold it. Amen. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour with Terry Barber on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back in a quick minute. Now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back indeed. We're talking about a great article that Father Brooks uh, wrote regarding fiducio supplicants. Uh, and it, he basically, it's an article that Edward Pitton from the National Catholic Register just interviewed him and asked direct questions. And he gave direct answers. One of the questions was, do you agree that the statements expose division that were already present, but are now in the open. Benedict the Sixteenth, in his notes of April eleventh, two thousand nineteen, described the origin of the debacle of Catholic morality, and thus also div divisions among Catholics because of the deeming cohabitation of both heterosexual and homosexual couples as not sinful. The division of schism previously submerged has now emerged. Whether it will be formally declared at an upcoming ecclesial event, such as a senate or conclave, we shall see. Certainly the next pope will have to do an accounting and decide whether to deepen the division or mend it by conveying a council. Whoever is a candidate for pope will have to be asked in the pre-conclave congregation to the answer of the dubia accumulated since 2015, or else the division of the church will deepen. You know, I read that and I went, man, this guy is spot on, Bishop Strickland. Your thoughts? He's spot on, and he's, he's bold enough to yeah. be willing to say what is true when so many are will, unwilling to, to say it with such clarity. Yeah. And really looking, he describes the situation we're in. And we have to pray that many will come to recognize that, you know, it, it really, you know, like we say so often, we don't need his opinion. Yeah. We need what the church teaches. Amen. And that's presenting. And we've got to return to that uh, vigorously and pray that all the bishops in the world will guide all the priests to to simply embrace the truth more deeply 
for the sake of the church and for the sake of humanity. The, the human race needs the church that the Son of God established to guide us, especially through these challenging times, these confusing times. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, we're not hearing the voice of the church with the clarity that we need to hear. We need a much stronger voice. You know, Bishop Strickland, years ago you told me <coughs> that you were ordained, I think, what, 1985? Is that right? Okay. So 85, you were in the seminary in the 80s. Um, that was a tough time, at least out here in California, to be in the seminary. Um, there wasn't a lot of good, solid catechesis, uh, especially when philosophy and theology. Now, I know you got some good philosophy because I know where you went to school in Dallas. But can you appreciate your generation of priests who have had to supplement a lot of their formation after ordination? Because I think you've done that yourself, have you not? Absolutely. And if if they're not supplementing it, they're left in ignorance. Um, and that that leaves us in a difficult place um, because the priest needs to be the one to know the faith and to teach the faith. And I, I'm still on a learning, learning curve myself because um, it just, like this article said, Father Buck said earlier that you read, the focus has been on social issues and not on the doctrines of our faith and we've kind of flipped everything and forgotten that following Jesus Christ is the solution to all the social ills that are very real mm -hmm. and very detrimental to the human family. But Jesus Christ is the answer and that <laughs> we need to go back to the truth that has been revealed by Christ himself through sacred scripture mm -hmm. and through the church through the ages. Well said. And one more follow-up before I continue on this article. It seems to me, chatting with you over the years, of your own um, thirst for knowledge on the faith, I mean, you're ordained a priest, then you become the Bishop of Tyler. But it, if I'm saying something out of school and it's not true, then you repeat. But it seemed to me that when you were called to you to be a bishop, that seemed to turn a, uh, another switch on for you to really say, wait a minute, I have more responsibility. That means I really have uh, an obligation to really not only know my faith, but to live it and to um, basically share it with the world. Am I onto something? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. I, I made a very conscious decision a few years after I became a bishop mm -hmm. to, to kind of break out of the mold that I was seeing and to teach the truth, yeah. to simply say it's about being a successor of the apostles and teaching the truth in, in every dimension that we possibly can. The sanctity of life, right. the sanctity of the sacraments, the power of the word of God, it, the truth that really allows us to flourish as God's people, that the created the church that we know with the great minds through the ages that have helped us to know the truth more deeply. Um, so 
We just have to keep at it and trust that these false messages, I constantly go back to Galatians chapter 1, wow. verse 8, where St. Paul says, um, even if an angel comes yep. from heaven yep. with a different gospel, right. let them be anathema, another um, translation, let them be a curse. Yep. The strong language. <laughs> Sure is. And we need to pay attention to St. Paul. It's very clear. Mm -hmm. And the fact that so many are not willing to embrace that and just say, we've got to live by Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. There is no new gospel. There's no new understanding of the gospel. There can be a deeper understanding, but it doesn't become... Yes, yesterday and no today. And that's what we're seeing. Yes. And we have to say no. We have to resist um, with great charity. It's, a, it's the greatest act of charity to resist this false message. And that's why I think St. Paul is so strong and so clear. I mean, accursed or anathema or any translation of what he said, that's a very strong message. It certainly is. Um, and we've got to listen. Well said. One of the other uh, questions Ed Pitton asked the father, says, why do you think there's been opposition mainly in Africa, Central, Eastern Europe, and not so much in the United States and of other mainly Western countries? I had that question myself. Why? I mean, come on. He says, because in these areas, in the Northern and Western hemisphere after Vatican II, man, he says it, the church contrasted the, the relativist ideology that had been penetrated in morality and demolished natural law with the formation in doctrine and the life in Christ. That is Catholic morality fighting neo-pagan thinking. Father, why don't you really tell me what you think? Wow. Thus, the people remained faithful. Then ask a Jew if it's a blessing when it does not have a sacredness. Let's say it's not liturgical and whether you can bless something that God curses, yeah, such as sin against nature. A Jewish friend who heard about fiducio supplicant told me, doesn't the Pope know the Bible? I thought, oh my gosh. I've had that question to me too from my Protestant brothers. It's embarrassing to have to say, I, I, you think he would? Pray for him. Because uh, he says, not to mention uh, the ridicule of Muslims and the distancing of the Orthodox who have declared unity with Catholics impossible. Fiducio supplicant, supplicant communicates are the result of the prefect. Fernandez's ignorance. I think he's being generous to him. Yeah, ignorance. But you know, Father, before, Bishop Strickland, you know, before I answer that question, it seems to me that not only is this going to hurt, um, you know, our separated brethren, but if you're in Africa and you've got Islam on the march and they go to tell people, hey, you don't want to be a Christian, you don't want to be a Catholic, Look what they believe about homosexuality. In their mind, they're going to say, yeah, look, everybody knows it. But as Islam, we don't. We, don't, we reject that. 
So it's going to hurt, uh, I think, a lot of the uh, evangelization efforts in the church. Do you, do you agree with that position? Yeah, absolutely. It hurts the, the proclamation <laughs> of the truth yeah. because it, it contradicts it. Yeah. And that contradiction, it won't stand. It's not changing anything. Right. But it's giving people who are against the church some, some significant weapons that can do a lot of harm yeah. and continue the confusion and the rejection of the message of Jesus Christ. That one thing we need to remember, it's not our message. No. Not ours to twist and change. It's the message of God's divine son. And we are only stewards of the message. We're not the authors. And we've, we have an obligation to steward it for the world today yep. and for the world tomorrow. For the children, like your grandchildren, they deserve to receive the same message proclaimed by the Son of God as we have. Amen. And to twist and change that, reshape it and dilute it, diminish its significance is a travesty against humanity. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. And that was exactly why we are willing to make this stand, because it's the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. Stay with us, family. Now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back indeed. Wow, Bishop Strickland, this priest is really amazing because he's speaking the truth in charity, just what we need today um, in so many areas. Um, he asked, Dr., or excuse me, Mr. Pinton asked him a question, what is the best way to resolve confusion and division resulting from fiducial supplicants? I think that's a great question because the confusion is, is incredible. He says, explain that there's nothing pastoral without pastoral meal because doctrine is actually like food. I never saw, I never thought this analogy. Doctrine is food the possessor of which is he who distributes it, St. Gregory Nassian. Doctrine, therefore, is pastoral. But if the shepherd does not have it, he cannot do pastoral work. That's a pretty strong statement right there. Wow. The drama of the church... Excuse me. Oh, yeah, the pedal. The drama of the church today is the separation of the pastoral from the doctrine that is of love from truth. And when we are paying dearly for it, as John Paul II predicted, Pope Francis should cancel fiducio supplicant and replace the prefect with a man of sure, sound, and pure doctrine to use the apostles' words to Titus. Well, he just um, gave a very good answer because sometimes Bishop Strickland, if, if this is my take, pastoral and doctrine, they try to separate the two that you can't have both. 
and you really can. Yeah. Well, really, Terry, his writing reminds me of what I learned when I studied canon law. Because honestly, um, I went to study canon law with sort of a, a negative perspective that, oh, it's the law and it's legalistic and it's uncaring. And, and I really wasn't too interested in studying it. But as I did study it and had some excellent professors, um, I really came to understand that knowing the law and using the law of property properly is a great part of charity yeah. um, because the purpose of the law, and I know we've said it many times, but the last canon in the yeah. code of canon law says all of this, all of these laws are about the salvation of souls. Man. And if that's not pastoral, I don't know what is. That's what pastoral means yeah. is to be about saving the souls of the sheep of God's children to be guided to their destiny, their God's destiny for them in everlasting life. So there is no conflict between oh. pastoral and doctrinal or the truth and the pastoral approach to how that truth is shared because ultimately... The law of God is what helps us to to be who we are. Right. To be to live in the image and likeness of God. We have to know God mm -hmm. and know ourselves. And that's what the truth and the laws of the truth, that's what it's all about. So I think this this priest really that's the reason I shared the article. It really just struck me that it says it so well. And he touches on so many important points. As I said, I wasn't exaggerating. I think every Catholic should read it. Many won't. And many will outright reject it before they read it. Right. But I hope that many will read it. And those who may not know their faith well, but are have the right heart and are seeking the truth, that it will reinforce and strengthen them to be more clear about the truth and to say, oh, well, we need to do the pastoral thing. The pastoral thing should never be in conflict with doing what is true and right. Amen. I wish we could implement that. The final question Ed Penton asked the priest, how do you think this affair will affect the Notched Conclave? He says, surely the next pope if he does not want to be one only for one part of the church, will have to ask himself the question. Oh man, fundamental question. What is the mission of the church? That of conforming to the world or saving it? I mean, wow. wow. That nails it. The unity of the Catholic Church is compromised by fiducio supplicant because on such an essential moral truth, it accepts in practice opposing views among the churches scattered around the world. One example, the new bishop of Foggia said that his church will be the church of Francis who blesses all. But 
is the church not Jesus Christ's church? Wow, wow, that's bold. Fernandez discredited himself by publishing a document that is opposed to that of his predecessor, which the um, Ladara back in 2021, everybody quoted, saying you can't bless sin. He said, would it be a development or rather a heterogeneous of doctrine, the the dicastery of the Holy See has humiliated themselves. Someone has already renamed, oh my gosh, I didn't catch this when I read it the first time, has renamed the dicastery for the destruction of the faith. Oh my gosh. Ah, I, I, I'm just, I mean, do you realize what he just said? Oh my, this guy, he's, are you wanting to be, man, this is a strong language, but you know, he's, he's on it. We need to pray for our leaders in our church. Um, he said, supplicant of ignorance and bad faith will weigh in Fernandez in any document he, he signs later. And then the priest says he should resign. I think he should resign for the good of the church because of the confusion and problems that it's caused worldwide. In my lifetime, and I bet in yours, I've never seen any document get this kind of response, Bishop Strickland. Well, um, the the most controversial that and it was when we were kids. Yeah. But Humane Vitae. That's right. Sort of. Um, everybody on different sides with that. And many right. of the bishops rejecting what was the truth that we know more deeply now than ever. I mean, even the uh, the issues with abortion are woven into what happened with Humane Vitae. So it probably is, and it will probably go down in history just as Humane Vitae did, which was on the right side of truth, a truth that people didn't want to hear, but more and more we're seeing the rejection of Humanae Vitae. We're living out the damage that that caused. (coughs) And Pope Paul VI, I think it's in section eight of that document, really lays it out exactly what's happened. Mm -hmm. And and we're dealing with the repercussions. Um, We may be dealing with the repercussions of this document for a long time as well. One, express the the time-honored truth of the faith, which the culture was rejecting. This document expresses a change in that truth, which the culture is embracing and just saying, oh, this is wonderful. But those who know the faith are saying, no, we can't do this. So it's sort of a, a reversal of the issues, but both documents, I think, are are significant for the repercussions that come from rejecting the truth. Well, Bishop Strickland, we're at the end of this first hour for today. Can we get a, re- a blessing, please? Almighty God, we ask your blessing for everyone listening to our conversation, that they may not be disheartened, but may be invigorated to trust in the truth, to know Jesus Christ and his church more deeply, and to share that truth with greater vigor and joy than ever. We pray that the Holy Spirit will guide and strengthen us to know the truth of our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you very much, Bishop Strickland. I wanted to mention the show was uh, sponsored by um, Tan Books. Uh, Tan has a lot of good books. You can go to vmpr.org and click on the Tan Books logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs. And when you do that, go to our website, vmpr.org. They actually support the mission of VMPR. We're Kendra Spirit. Sophia Press is doing it. I'm working on Ignatius Press. There's good publishers out there. And I think that it was St. Alphonsus Liguori who said that God knows only how much good can come from one holy book. And I bet our listeners know that there are books that you've read in your lifetime that have changed the way you see things. And when it comes to our Catholic faith, we've got to be reading good holy books to inspire us to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Also, I want to just give one more plug to another group. Talk about pro-life. Um, Charity Mobile, with our phones, you know, our cell phones. Uh, when shopping for a phone company, why not choose the one that is pro-life? Call 877-474-3662 and mention Virgin Most Powerful Radio to support the show. They contacted me. They love the Bishop Strickland Hour. They said, you guys are always talking about pro-life. said, we need to be advertising for you. So we thank them. And then there's one more plug I'm going to give, and it's our <clears throat> full Sheena Head website. We get about 60,000 people a day watching videos. I'm like, really? That's more than Dodger Stadium being full. I mean, I don't know. I guess people, yeah, because we have every day we're putting on four or five videos. So keep that in mind. Go to fullsheenahead.org. And then if you want lots of good Catholic material, go to Catholic Resource Center. They call it catholicrc.org. Explore the entire library filled with inspiring productions on classic teachings of the Catholic faith. I want to thank you, Bishop Strickland. And again, folks, we'll see you again tomorrow, same time, same station here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. (coughs) May God richly bless you. And thanks for passing these shows on to your friends and family. We'll see you again tomorrow.